0: their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. My guest today is the definition of a serial winner. Crowned world champion and mind-boggling nine times, you did hear that right, nine times. Emma Wiggs, MBE, let's not forget the MBE, we're going to find out all about that as well, is the most decorated female para-canoeist at the Paralympic Games of all time. In achieving so many incredible things, Emma also shares her story and her path to becoming world champion, explaining how managing and harnessing your strengths as a team or individual can define your success. Emma, well, what can I say? We've got sport in common, but that's about where it... That's <laughs>
1: where <it's> about. <laughs> not not, so not at all, not not at all. It's a pleasure to, to be chatting to you today.
0: You have got more, more talent in one or than I have in my whole body. Um... But I, but I'm fascinated to hear about this incredible journey um, because it, it, it's not just canoeing that you've excelled at in your in your career uh, in your in your life. And we'll explore uh, uh, those in more detail. But for those people, unless of course they've been living under a stone and wouldn't have heard of your name, but for those who know something about sport, um, just a little bit of background on your journey through life, if you would.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think probably. To set the scene, um, you mentioned that I'm a Paralympic athlete, but I haven't always been disabled. So I actually was able-bodied until the age of 18, you know. And one of those classic, I guess, those classic annoying people at school that were good at good at any sport that they that they tried. I've got a twin brother and an older sister, so we were always outdoors doing whatever sport we could do. And and particularly, I can remember when we were doing our GCSEs. We were supposed to be revising at home, but we were just basically playing cricket in the garden. And we used to run back to the books just in time for mum to get home from work. So sport was a massive part of my life. And I knew that I wanted to be a PE teacher because I kind of thought they're the coolest teachers, aren't they? Because they wear shorts and sunglasses all year round. So I thought I'll I'll get myself a slice of that and wanted to to go to university, but decided to have a bit of a break before going from education to education. So announced uh, to my deputy head that I was going to have a gap year, which in 1998 wasn't terribly the dumb thing. And she tried to say, you know, But anything could happen. Um, I think you should go straight to university. And I said, no, 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 nonsense, it'll be fine. I'm going to Australia and I'm going to work on a farm for six months and then I'm going to travel and I guess kind of do all the things you can do when you're 18 on the other side of the world to your parents. Um, so that was the big plan. Sandra, and unfortunately, six weeks into that kind of adventure um I contracted a virus while I was working on this farm no idea where from uh and it paralyzed me in my arms and my legs overnight so um I guess I don't know I think I think life's about moments isn't it and uh I think that was a moment where clearly my life changed but in any moment you've got a choice haven't you about how you respond and And what you choose to do and and as an 18 year old whose life changed quite dramatically i'm i'm really proud actually to sit here today quite a few years further on we won't necessarily count them but it's definitely more than 22 um and uh and and be sitting here you know like like you kindly said in your intro with you know some performances that i'm really proud of and having achieved things that i just never dreamt were possible
0: some performances Uh, of all the humbling comments uh, and, and the modest comments—that's that, that's right up there with the best of them, Emma. Um, so uh, you you talk of your uh, your love of sport. Um, was was that because of uh, brother sister the family environment? Is it is it something that I mean? Did they all participate in sport? Was it something you were immersed in from a very young age, or was it something that developed?
1: Yeah, I think always immersed in it, always, always outdoors, always, uh, whether it was just to get us out of the house or not, I'm not sure, but we always had dogs, we were always in the outdoors, and, and sport was just always a massive part of, of all of our lives growing up, and, and I think for me, I realised probably, you know, as, an, as a teenager, that sport had this incredible power to shape you and to give you experiences and opportunities to, to be more than just... You know, another person on the planet, and I think it was it was the things I learned through sport and the friendships that I made that that really kind of set this fire inside me that sport was an incredible thing, and and that's why it still baffles me now to sit here and say that after I became disabled, it took me 12 years to find Paralympic sport, and it baffles me and it kind of embarrasses me. I think that it, that it took me that long, and I think probably one of the the biggest progress is is that. Paralympic sport is now forefront and center. If someone has a, a life-changing injury or accident, Paralympic sport is right there. and that's a huge advance in in where we were in the 1990s and and I was aware of the Paralympic Games, but I just didn't ever think you know I could do it and and 12 years is is three is three Paralympic cycles. so I could be sitting here you know with slightly more experience behind me, but it's I don't regret it, but it was it's still a confusion to me that it took me that long.
0: You, um, you know, you were a very good hockey player, weren't you? Uh, before you went to Australia, uh, and then many people won't know this about you. I, I, everyone, I'm sure, will be familiar with the name and your your exceptional um, the the moments that you've 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 wowed us all with over the over the years with all your 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 massive tally of gold medals. But um, you were in the GB volleyball team. Um, and, and what what I find utterly astonishing, humbling, but also rather amusing, is the fact that I think I'm right in saying. I'm paraphrasing your quote but it was something like uh you left your you left your um your position in the in the GB volleyball team um to go and do something where you could be a better version of yourself or the best you could possibly be as in you know the GB volleyball team wasn't quite good enough
1: <laughs> no, I know that sounds terrible, doesn't it? And yeah, I think I think that might be. Um, yeah, I think what I actually meant was, so, so the volleyball came about um, in the run up to London, so there was uh, a talent identification day. So basically, the British Paralympic Association believed that there were people in this country that had disabilities that were not um, unleashing their sporting potential, and London 2012 gave us a platform to to do that. Being a host. A host nation for the game so they ran these days where they looked for people with disabilities that might have sporting talent and then aimed to turn them into Paralympians in the two years leading up to London so that's how I found Paralympic sport and that's how I found the volleyball and it was like a again it was a moment I guess it was like a light bulb went on in my head as I was you know throwing myself around the floor of this skanky sports hall in Guildford somewhere you know playing this sport that I'd never never played before and it was oh wow this is what I've been missing this is sport you know I'm sweaty I'm dirty you know like I'm pushing people out of the way and and I, it was like wow this is this is what I've been missing so the volleyball took me on that journey and I'll always be forever grateful to 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 the sport and to the team that we had that we shared that experience at London um but it was just, it was a challenge Sandra. it was it was a real challenge we were thrown together because we shared two things we were female. And we had a disability, and you know when you throw a team together, you you need to to share more than just two things. And, and it was a it was a really tough journey for all of us to try and learn a new sport and be be competitive with the best teams in the world. And um, I don't think we quite did that in in London, although it was an incredible experience. So yeah, I wanted to to see whether I could, I guess, use the bits that work to. To, to perform at a, at a different level. Um, and to do that, that was going to mean changing sports. So I chose canoeing, uh, or they chose me, probably. But it was like, I don't know whether I thought they were similar, but they're really not.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think I could help you out with that one. I'm not sure that they are, to be honest. But um, so how to, how on earth does this whole thing come about? You know, You go from from volleyball where well, it doesn't really matter what you came from but why why canoeing of all things
1: yeah i think it's so it's a bit like a transfer market after a games you know Paralympic sport is still emerging um although it's much better than it was it's still it's still a growing area and i think people sometimes go into a sport without knowing that actually they could be doing better in a different sport. So there's a, a kind of an awareness piece. And after a Paralympic games, it's like prime transfer market time and, and sports come and um, approach you and you can approach sports and say, you know, I fancy having a go, do these bits that work fit with your sport? Do I classify, you know, what do you think? And, and I spoke to a few sports and, and canoeing was one of them. And it just so happened that the, the testing day, up in Nottingham came before the other sports and I, uh, didn't fall out. So that ticked a box. I didn't mind what my hair looked like in the wind of, of Nottingham. And, and I laid down a time that was, um, you know, they were quite impressed with. So they sat me down and said, uh, I guess they kind of sold me this dream of, we think you could go to Rio and, and win a medal. And I just thought they're just, they're just being nice. Cause that's what people do to people in wheelchairs, isn't it? They're just nice to them. And I just thought, this is, bonkers and but it was enough of a carrot to to there was something in the eye of the team leader that was just enough of a a carrot for me to think oh, I can't say no to this and I've got to give it a
0: go Wow that is amazing I've got I we've been asked a number of questions ahead of this podcast and I've got two burning ones for you the first one is is I guess fairly obvious um and that is you know Paralympic champion nine times how do you maintain your motivation i mean it's clear passion desire commitment um resilience they all run through you you can see that a mile off emma but how do you maintain a position at the top of your sport because getting there is one thing staying there is a different different thing altogether
1: it's it's hard and it's getting getting harder Um, You know, I I turned 41 uh, just before the Tokyo Paralympic Games, so I'm certainly not in the prime of my my career. So it's certainly taking more to to try and stay there. But, you know, that's the evolution of sport. And I'm so proud that actually, you know, there are younger, you know, talented athletes coming through the squad that are going to knock me off the top. And and hopefully they're here because of what they've seen me do. and, And I can help, you know, help them along their journey as well. But I think, You know my biggest thing has always been probably probably before disability as well but definitely after disability i don't want to never take an opportunity and i think when you can find some belief in yourself to give it a go you don't have to believe that you're going to be successful because actually i've never believed i was going to be successful when i was undefeated for six years as world champion i never i never ever once lined up thinking i was going to win a race it used to drive my coach mad but so there's a difference between believing you're going to be successful and believing you can give it everything you've you've got and i think for me um maybe part of it is is about proving people wrong you know really my story the way it, the way it was written was you're going to get really ill You know, you're gonna you're gonna have two thirds of your body left that works, and uh, probably gonna have to be looked after for the rest of your life. Those were the words of of the consultant. You know, at one point was, you know, you think you need to be realistic. You're gonna need to be looked after, and and I just wasn't prepared to accept that. So I wanted to take the opportunities, and I think that's how I approach every day now. um, That I don't want to have regrets, and I want to to I feel it's such a privilege to do what we do. I don't want to waste that opportunity, and you know if i stay in bed the others are going to get faster than me and and that'll be that so you know that's really what kind of drives me on and and i just think we're so lucky to have staff and 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 world class practitioners that that are so passionate about not only coaching and delivering their best but learning about the different disabilities you know para sport is a minefield it's not just as simple as you you write a coaching plan and all your athletes do it because Some of your athletes haven't got lean legs, or some of your athletes haven't—they've got one leg, or they might—you know—might not have much core function. So it's so diverse, and it's just such a privilege to to be doing it.
0: Yeah, well, well said, Um, and and very. um, I love I love your perspective of things. You know, uh, endeavouring to be the best version of yourself rather than uh, to the uh, to the dismay of your coach, trying to always think about you know winning a race in this particular instance. The second question that I alluded to. Was one again that we've been asked many times by people say you know please ask him this question, and that is um, you know loads of setbacks. The most obvious one starting in Australia that that defines uh, you know part of the rest of your life, but doesn't define you clearly. Um, but how do you? And, it, and this is a very trite question, but how do you deal with setbacks? And I don't just mean the day when you discovered that your world was going to change, but you know the, the 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 days, the times where you know you don't feel up to it, you don't feel motivated, you don't hit your times, you don't qualify, you don't win a race. How do you, how do you come back for more each time?
1: yeah I think it's it's kind of a glutton for punishment really but i think I think it's a really important thing Sandra and I think it's you know this is what I love about the power of sport because you don't have to be sporty to learn lessons from from sport and th- and this is one of those opportunities is how do we bounce back when something comes and smacks us around the face and that will be different for everybody won't it that could be for somebody. You know, the red, the red light, the, tra- the traffic light changes to red just as they're about to go through. That could disrupt their whole day. And, and, it, and it's all so individual that I think it's really important to know for ourselves how we can bounce back and how we can we can manage it. And I think for me, it's been a bit of a journey of discovery. I think if I'm honest, I think the first kind of probably eight years of being uh, a disabled person were probably a bit of. Um, Ignorance and a, and a bit more of denial. Um, you know, I was going to carry on doing what I'm doing and, and I'll be fine. Um, and then I had a, a wrist injury in 2018. So by that point, I was Paralympic champion. I was um, seven times world champion. And two weeks before the world champs, I um, dislocated a bone in my wrist and, and ruptured some ligaments. So, you know, not a massive injury, but a significant one for a canoeist. <laughs> um, and It was the first time in my life I felt disabled. So it was 20 years after I became disabled, but it was the first time that I ever really felt disabled. And and it was such a a derailing um, moment that it was it required a huge amount of learning and and honesty about how I how I was as a person, what I was what I had become, because I had become Emma Wiggs, the canoeist. You know, and therefore, if Emma Wiggs wasn't a canoeist, what was she? So that you know, quite a dangerous place. But again, something that probably all of us can can relate to. And it was about then learning about what was important to me and my strategies that were going to help me get out of these um, slumps or or situations where actually everything just seems a bit overwhelming and a, and a bit tough. And and that was a real learning period for me that i think has shaped has shaped me as a person and, and now i've realized i can be i can be happier and i can still be fast in a boat and um and that's a pretty good place to be
0: i tried an eskimo roll once it didn't it didn't end well and that was the last <laughs> time <I ever laughs> went you want to yeah you want to try us we, so we stay on the top of the water so we don't have to do any of that nonsense
1: but it's any, um any any really scary moments along the way and um, I think, yeah, probably probably that whole eight, eight, nine month period after my wrist was was pretty scary because it did feel out of control. Um, you know, my uh, probably my mental health felt a bit out of control. My, my I felt out of control. And I think we all as humans, we crave control, don't we? And I think the biggest learning I've had over my time as, a, as an athlete is you've got to control the controllables and not worry about the other stuff. You know, it's it is such a an empowering thing to think, right, I've got this much energy and I'm going to use this in this way, in a positive way for me to progress me to where I'm going. I'm not going to worry about the small stuff. I'm not going to worry about things that are out of my control. um And I'm actually going to choose my attitude every day when I wake up in the morning, when I'm brushing my teeth, for example, I'm going to look in the mirror and I'm going to think, Right. What what am I going to do today? What's what's my approach for today? And, and some days that can be survival. That can literally be I'll get through to bedtime without killing anybody and and that'll be a good day. But then some days it will be right. I'm going to help someone. I've got a bit of extra energy. I'm going to do something positive or whatever it might be. And it's so important that we realize that that's a choice you know we can choose to be one or on one way or the other and when we when we realize we've got a choice it's really calming and empowering for me
0: where does your extraordinary mindset come from um because i listen to you and and i've i've had the privilege of speaking to a couple hundred people now on the podcast emma and you know to a man and woman they've all got a good mindset they wouldn't have achieved what they have but yours comes across in spades where where does that extraordinarily strong determined focus mindset come from is it the adversity that you face did it give you a perspective maybe that you didn't have before is it is it part of who you are uh nature nurture that kind of thing where, where does it's, it come from
1: yeah it's an interesting one because I think you know when you're a para athlete there's always this um this kind of impression that there's a story that you've come with because we can't get away from the fact that most of us have got a story you know something that's happened to us and therefore there's a perception that you know, you, you've overcome everything and you're very brave and you're very inspirational and all the rest of it. And actually, I think anybody in our position would have done the same thing, potentially. And I think it's just it's then drawing on what you've got around you. So I'm, I've am i just been really fortunate, I think, to have solid family, solid friends and and really solid support that have always, always had my back. Um, and I think even, even the times where you you know, where I could potentially think I'm pretty hopeless and, and pretty useless, um, they're, they're always there to, to kind of remind you and, and give you that, that strength and that support. And I think, you know, it's just, a, it's a learning progress process. And I think I'm still learning at 41 how to be a better version of me. And I think that's just bloody brilliant you know that we can still be learning little things that will make us uh, nicer to be around or or a better friend or a better wife or whatever it might be uh, you know a better athlete better faster boats whatever it might be and and i just think it's it's having that that hunger to to want to learn and to to want to seek to be more than just one feeling or one emotion
0: mm. you talk about your support network uh, family friends and so on do you think it's more challenging competing individually or as part of a team
1: yeah i often get asked that you know when you, you were a team player before you were disabled with hockey and and you went into the volleyball which is a team sport you know how are you coping in an individual sport and i just honestly have to say yes we sit in our boats on our own like that in the paralympic para canoe there's only single single crewed boats but i have never been part of a stronger team and you know that is because we share we share the same values, we've agreed to the same behaviours, we're, we're, we're all aiming towards the same thing. So the best example of that is, you know, in Tokyo, there was only ever going to be nine spots for British para canoe athletes. Well, there were 17 of us that trained six days a week, 49 weeks of the year. And, you know, I'm not brilliant at maths, but 17 doesn't go into nine. nine. So there were going to be people that were disappointed. And we were really, really um, clear that we wanted... The, the build up to the games to be a supportive one and one where everyone felt they had something to to give and something to offer in what everyone thinks of as an individual sport. So we really tried to adopt that kind of succeed as one uh, sort of ethos, I guess, and, and try to, those of us that were currently going fast and at the top, we would reach down to pull some of the others up and those of us that the ones that were down there were were really pushing every day to get faster to drive to drive us on so you know and I think we've still got work to do on it but because at the end of the day if you miss out on a Paralympic Games it's it's devastating of course it is and you know I I don't know what that's like because I haven't missed out you know I'm very fortunate but I do hope that the people that that didn't make that plane know that they they contributed more than anything to the people that had got on that plane and, and i certainly wouldn't have been the athlete that i was without those teammates that had that had pushed me on so it's absolutely a team a team sport that that and probably the greatest team i've ever been part of even though it's an individual sport so it's a bit i'm going to confuse your listeners now
0: no, no that came across loud and clear my ne- my next question actually while you were talking i was thinking of reflecting on a conversation i had with somebody that we both know uh baroness tanny gray thompson one of the most decorated Paralympic uh, athletes of, of British times. And um, she talks about the fact that, you know, because I asked her a question and said, you know, do you feel bitter about, you know, she she went through a similar experience to you. She was able-bodied, then suffered a disability through polio. Uh, but she maintains that there is nothing that a wheelchair can't do that her legs could. And so she doesn't kind of look back. My, my question to you, Emma, is do you... Do you reflect on what might have been or do you live in this moment and think, but this could never have happened had that had that mystery virus not affected me when I was 18 years old?
1: Yeah. And it was probably one of the most asked questions in the run up to the London Games, which was, do you do you wish if you could choose the Paralympics or being able to walk again, which would you choose? And I just thought it was such a bizarre question because you know, it's, it's not a thing that that is a a part of my life, probably like Tani was saying, you know, this, that's done, that's done. And what we need to do is, is now, you know, look at what we've got, look at the bits that work and, and, and use them to the best of our ability. And I, I find it so uh, humbling and amazing. And I might even get upset, but I'll try and control myself. I find it amazing, Sandy, that I am fitter, stronger, and more able as a disabled
0: person than I ever was as an able-bodied person. Bravo. Well, very well said. And I and I hope my question to you didn't come across as dumb as the some of the journalist questions. I asked for a, spe- I asked for a specific reason because we have a lot of listeners that that write in regularly to us um, and you know are struggling in life with various different things, whether it's you know, um mental health, whether it's you know a, an addiction of some description, or uh, diversity in family, or you know, community pressure, or whatever, and they, they, they do struggle to look forward, and are and are often yeah. looking back. And, and, and I think I'm that's hit- and that's
1: and that's what I took from your question. Absolutely. So no,
0: it, it, I wasn't uh, offended at all. I think
1: that's the key, isn't it? That's the key is to is to look right. Okay, I don't like the fact that this happened. I think it's you know, is it fair? No. Is life fair? No but it's happened and and what can i now do in this context that i'm now facing and it's a journey you know i said i think i said earlier it probably took me 8 years of denial and thinking i was going to be fine to to then you know cracking on and, you know i didn't i didn't get a blue badge for about 10 years because i kind of thought well if i get a blue badge then i really am disabled you know how crazy is that so there, there's a process isn't there there's a and it's different for everybody but i would just urge people to to be kind to yourself, to, you know, I don't think I, I don't think I was really kind to myself until this wrist injury 20 years after I, I became disabled. And I think, if, you know, if we can be kind to ourselves and realize, you know, sometimes it's tough and it's, and it's not fair and it's, and it's not, it's not, it's not that we can change it or influence it, but what we can do is these, these steps or these, these next actions and, and, and be really clear on, on what we can do rather than, than what we can't.
0: Uh, I'm not going to ask you what's next in terms of what you're planning to win because that would uh, that would be giving your coach the heads up. But um, what what are you uh, what are you planning to do next that involves being the best best version of yourself that you can possibly be?
1: Well, I'm um, so we've we, we've been back in training. We had a bit of a break after Tokyo, uh, and then we, I was back in training kind of middle of October. Um, And it just kind of took it gently to start with because it's quite an exhausting process, a a build up to a Games and then a Games. Um, So I've taken a bit more time to kind of do other things and and take opportunities to be more than just Emma Wiggs, the canoeist. So I've enjoyed doing doing bits and bobs like that. And and now we are full on in the slog of uh, winter training up in windy Nottingham, um, building towards the World Championships in, in August. Um, and I will take it you know one year at a time and and see how the body holds up. and you know, I just think while I'm while I'm enjoying it and while I'm able to be part of such an incredible team at British canoeing, why on earth would I be looking to to hang up that paddle?
0: and And anything else you've got on your horizon, or is it full focus with regard to the world championships?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's challenging because it's only a three year cycle for for this Paris games so you know it's it becomes tighter and tighter to try and do other things but I'm absolutely trying to develop uh, a life for myself after I become an athlete after I finish being an athlete because I think you know the one thing's for certain is you're never going to be an athlete for, forever um, so I'm looking at doing some kind of some some extra qualification courses and some experience doing doing bits and bobs of speaking and and working with people in a kind of coaching and, and mentoring type way and, and I'm really enjoying that you know I don't think I'll go back to teaching um as such but I I want to try and share some of these these gems that I just feel like wow gosh if I'd known that at the start of my career you know that 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 volleyball journey would have been smoother and and wow I could have enjoyed it uh even more than than I did
0: uh what is, what's been the highlight of your career and I'm sure that's a question you've been asked a million times but I'm thinking about you know 2017, uh, the Grand Slam in Paracano, which is, you know, no mean feat. But there was there a, a highlight for you that, that stood out? I mean, obviously getting your MBA, MBE was, you know, yeah. I mean, I think your achievement.
1: It's interesting because t- 2017, although it wasn't a games year, it was a massive, a massive year. So it was the MBE, which, you know, for me was incredibly humbling. And I think, you know, I feel lucky to do this as my job. And there's people that do incredible things for charity or for the NHS that, that don't get recognized. So it's a little bit of an embarrassing that, that you get recognized for doing, you know, something like canoeing. But it was such an important uh moment for my family to be able to share in that and to get to go to the palace and and really just kind of reward their their hard work and their and their support. So I think 2017 and then to get the Grand Slam was was really good. And and to be the first female um to to go under 49 seconds um in paracanoe was that year as well. So that was that was amazing. And uh and then I guess Tokyo's got to be pretty special because you know there were only two people in the whole world that that meddled in 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 different boats at those games and, and I was one of them. So um an incredible opportunity again to to have the privilege to paddle two different boats but um a lot of hard work and yeah probably pretty proud to to sit there with with two performances that that yes they won medals aren't they? but actually they they were more than that I was I was proud of how I of how I paddled and that that was actually my goal going into the games it wasn't about I'm going to go and win a medal it was I'm going to paddle and make people proud and and I did that and and the medals
0: came with it that's that's a, a lovely way of putting it um uh, in terms of uh, your MBE I mean you very modestly said uh, you know there are other people that you know could, maybe should be recognised. But I, I would put it to you that you've inspired a nation and, and you know, not just uh, you know, a nation of Brits, but also um, you've acted as a as a torchbearer for so many Paralympic athletes that, that aspire to, you know, find something new for themselves uh, if, if they've gone on a similar journey to you. Um, so, I mean, I, I think on behalf of all of us, it's very, very well deserved. And it can't be a, anything other than a matter of time before... Baroness Wiggs is sitting next to Baroness <laughs> T- Annie Gray Thompson. Um, well luckily- I'm not sure about that,
1: but it is it is a you know, and I do love the fact that um we can help people we can you know I, I would hate to be pigeonholed and, and say because I'm a person with a disability I can only inspire or help people that have got disabilities I think it's 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 so important that we do do that but it's also so much more far-reaching isn't it you know we can all be inspired by each other you know I'm inspired by some of the things you told me before we started the call about the work that you've done so you know it's it, we've all got a bit to give to each other haven't we?
0: And that's exactly why I put the question to you in that way, because you do inspire all of us uh, in terms of your achievements. And I'm, I'm a secret canoe lover. I, I always watch canoeing, so uh, I've been following you. I've been following you for a very long time. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of a bit, uh, a bit starry-eyed and a bit, um, uh, <laughs> a bit in awe in your presence, Emma, because of what you've achieved. Um, final couple of questions: How do people connect with you? Are you uh, on social media? Do you have a website? Tell us about. Um, you know the speaking is there a book that's going to be written well I did actually anything I, else? I did
1: actually I did actually write a book with two 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 guys I know in the first lockdown so that was kind of a really lovely experience to do so that was that was really interesting but I've got a website yeah emmawigs.com, um and I'm on social media I apologize in advance for the for the numerous pictures of food and, and my Labrador um I will try to be more interesting uh on social media but they they can look me up I, I think on Twitter it's it's M Z on Instagram. It's it's Emma Wiggs, but yeah, I'm not I'm not impossible to find. So yeah, if I can if I can help anybody with anything, then then do please get
0: in touch. We'll compare pictures of Labradors then you and I. Brilliant. Uh, each other entertained. Brilliant. <laughs> the the final question, Emma, and thank you for being a wonderful guest. I knew you would be. Um, we ask all our guests this question. Even Tanny didn't escape. Um, if you were talking to a younger version of yourself, or let's say you know a fan came up to you and said you know, I've, I've seen all these amazing things you've done. I, and I just don't know how you stay at the top of your game for so long. And, you know, all the adversity you have faced and you, you know, just push right through it and it's absolutely amazing. And I'm totally inspired, but I, you know, I've only got a couple of minutes. So could you, could you just like summarize all that you've learned both good and bad in, in kind of one mantra, one easy to remember sentence. It might just be a word, but if there was something, just one thing that transcended everything else, what would that one thing be if I wanted to live my life by it?
1: I think I think it would be choose your attitude. I think it's it's a really underused skill. And I mean skill because I think we can learn we can learn how to do it. Um, I didn't think it would have the impact it did on me. And it was. Literally, literally, just that. I think we talked about it earlier in the morning. Look at yourself in the mirror. No one is going to look at themselves and say, Today I'm going to be a real pain in the bum. Today I'm going to be really negative. Today I'm going to be hurtful. Today I'm going to be unkind. You're not going to do that. And, and as a direct consequence, we are more accountable to ourselves and we have a better day. And it was an absolute game changer for me to to, to feel empowered that I've got a choice. I could choose to, to be this way or I could choose to not. And that was really powerful.
0: That's a that's a lovely way to finish this podcast. And we we often, as you probably know, come up with a strapline for all our guests. And I think choose your attitude's got to be uh, got to be the Emma Wiggs uh strap line for her social media postings. Um Emma, it's been honestly a delight, um really, really humbling, or inspiring uh to to talk with you today. And I know that on behalf of all of the tens and tens of thousands of people from around the world, 48 countries plus, um, I know that they would feel the same, and um, I'm sure we're going to get absolutely bombarded with with accolades and questions and all sorts of things, but um, hopefully we'll stay in touch. Um, I've, I've followed your career for many years, um, and I hope to be following it for many more. At the tender age of 41, you've got so much more uh, ahead of you. Um, an old codger like me, 53, I'm well over the hill, but you're still well, getting up the, uh, well, the other side.
1: If, if, if you're ever near Nottingham, come and get in a boat and we will have a paddle. Um, but thank you so much. It's been an absolute delight. Uh,
0: well, the, the bad news is I'm just down the road from Nottingham, so um, I will see go. you sooner than you, sooner <laughs> than you think. Go. Emma Wiggs, Emma Wiggs MBE, thank you very much for being a fantastic Sandro Forty podcast guest. Uh, best of luck with everything you continue to do and all of the... Uh, the inspiration you bring to all of us.
1: Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, I'm really excited to be able to share any little things that might help someone change their life for the better. So thank you for having me.
0: And thank you to all of you for listening once again on the Sandro Forty podcast. You've been with us for very nearly three years and we'll keep going, I'm sure, all the way things are going for another three at least. Every week, we've got a new guest joining us to share their own insights, just like Emma did, into achieving success overcoming life challenges no greater example than those that emma wiggs mbe has faced please make sure you subscribe tell everyone about us follow us on uh, social media and if you want to email us with a question you can do that it's hello at sandra's or contact emma directly if you would like to remember to connect with me it's at sandroforty 40 on twitter and the real sandro 40 on instagram because somebody stole my name once and i still haven't tracked them down thank you once again to emma wiggs mbe to everyone listening until this time next week have a great week